The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Roto Baller writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 119, your final episode before we have real, actual baseball to discuss on this very show. Before we get into the fun facts of uh, the week one fab, as we're back to recapping fab and talking about players that we added, didn't add, what we thought about certain players, we're going to talk about some player shares for the season. Toby has one more draft to do. I might, up in, up in the air still. And then we'll get to you guys' awesome listener questions, as always. But uh, the first part, I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my co-host, as always, on this wonderful endeavor on Twitter at BatFlipCrazyToby. How are we doing, my friend? Bubba, we're doing great. As you mentioned, um, I've got one more draft left tomorrow tomorrow night. Um, and then after that, we're, we're going to be all done. And I feel like I've, I've struck a nice, nice balance. Like, I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed so far, and I've enjoyed the drafting season a lot. Um, I'm wearing my my Toronto Blue Jays hat today 
in honor of the 2022 uh, World Series champions um, led by uh, uh, AL MVP and best player in the world, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think I think if you think they're going to win it, which they are very favorited too, like they're one of the favorites, um, you need to buy the new Rotoware shirt that T. Oscar was wearing the other day. I don't know if you saw it. But Ooh, it said, I didn't see it. It said, it said last year was like the the preview. Now you get to watch this that movie or something like that. Like it, it was pretty mm. good. Basically, like last year was your preview. Now you get the, like the main event, basically. And uh, cool. It, it, it's a pretty cool deal. I like how they're kind of mm. repping that. Going, yeah, we got our feet wet last year, but now we're going to uh, do some damage, and that uh, is pretty fun stuff. But uh, briefly, before we get into some some shares, last we talked, you were getting ready to go to wonderful Las Vegas, Nevada, to do some drafting. Seemed pretty cool. Saw so you were kind of hoity-toity in it at a Friday night party and uh, some other things. So so how was it? You know, you're kind of a big deal. You've been on uh, talking with Jeff Erickson because you sat next to him. And I warned him it's, it's not easy sitting next to uh, Toby to do this. Yeah, I mean, if there was if there was one word to describe um, my Las Vegas experience, it would definitely be hoity-toity, um, <laughs> I think. We, uh, we lived it up large. No, um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had an absolute blast. It was super energizing. Would highly recommend it. Definitely missed you. I hope next year you're able to uh, to be there because um, I think you'd have a lot of fun. I mean, I think a lot of people have talked about it, but it's just a really nice experience. I mean, the drafting live is really cool and FBC does it, does it up well. But I think more than that, it's just getting to know the different players. Like there's a lot of guys who are maybe like NFBC veterans that I hadn't met before. And so just having a chance to talk to them, there's a lot of characters, but everybody there is super passionate about fantasy baseball. They care about it deeply. We all have a hobby and like an intensity level of our hobby that I think is fairly unique. And so getting to talk about baseball, talk about life um, with those folks was really, really nice. I got a chance to meet a lot of people for the first time who I had never met before, um, which was great. Uh, Seeing some people that I'd seen at First Pitch Arizona too, it was just a really, um, it was a really fun time. It was, it was, it was nice. So, and I, and I had a blast two drafts. I did my first auction ever, which was like a high stakes auction. And, um, that was a really cool experience. I you did really pretty dug good. You the, did pretty good. I think I yeah. really like our team a lot. Um, yeah. you know, it's not for everybody, but my teams aren't for everybody. They're just for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it a lot. And, and I felt good about, um, both of the drafts really i got byron buxton at pick 59 yes you um, got a gift in case, you, in case gift. you hadn't heard heard and that was pretty phenomenal and then yeah it was great and it was funny because i wasn't able to attend the show that that uh, jeff erickson did with a lot of the folks that were in the industry who were in his main draft and i was in there and he said at the beginning of the show you know toby's in yeah. costa rica learning how to surf or something like that yeah. and i was like I wonder how many people took him seriously. I know. I was laughing. Right? Number one, not a huge fan of water, especially deep water, especially water with waves. Rule number one (laughs) in my life. That's it. That's the whole rule. That's the rule book right there. So I will not be surfing anytime soon unless it's in a pool that's shallow. (laughs) <laughs> love it well yeah it sounds like a blast everyone seemed to have a great time i'm looking forward to crossing my fingers make it out there next year like i already have first pitch uh reserved like that time off mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, i'm not gonna miss that if less you know things happen things always happen but i already have that requested off and we're gonna work on uh, the vegas thing when it uh, comes around so 
hopefully we'll be able to do that one in person. It's always fun seeing you, and I'd like to meet a lot of the other people as well. So that would be a blast. But let's talk about it. The first fab run went down this last week, and it was fun because, well, it was fun for some, not fun for others, but depending on how far back you went in in drafting, you had some really fun players to try to pick up on the waiver wire, or you didn't have a lot. It was it was across the board, really strange. So for discussion points, if anybody wants to follow along, you can go to NFPC, player movement page. We're going to talk about online championships, so that the bids on online champions. We're going to hit on a handful of players just like we did last year and just have some fun discussions on this. And the most popular uh, ad, at least financially, and in 77 leagues, when most of the leagues, because honestly, Matt Brash, until like his couple spring training starts, really wasn't on the radar to make the team for many people. He hadn't pitched past double A in his career. So it was like a cool story. Go play triple A this year. Maybe we'll see you at the second half of the season. We'll see. But uh, Matt Brash is going to start out with a team. Got picked up in 77 leagues, as high as 237, as low as 12. I know I got I picked him up and I think I got him in one league for like $81. I wasn't going higher than that. I wasn't breaking the bank for anything. But it was like one of those keep him honest type deals. Got him in one. It was the t- total thing that like certain leagues he went for like I said 237. Uh the lowest he went for in a league was $12. So it was across the board craziness. So what's your thoughts on Matt Brash? He looks filthy, but he's still a rookie and you're going to have to expect probably some hiccups at times. Yeah, I had some bids in for him this week for sure. I think my max, I maxed out at like $77. I like him a lot. I've gotten him in a couple drafts. I got him in my main uh, event draft. Um, And then I I think I only have him in that one main. I haven't gotten him in in any other of my major leagues, I don't think. You know, I obviously like him a lot. The stuff is great. You know, I've heard Eno talk about... um, you know, just how, how good everything is, like how he rates out on stuff plus, which is fantastic. I think, you know, a couple of concerns for me, you know, the walk rate hasn't been great, you know, in his uh, minor league track record. So that's one thing to just consider with major league hitters being a little bit, you know, stronger. And again, I, I'm a fan of his, like I would draft him, you know, yesterday I was looking at drafting him and like, I don't know, around pick 260, something like that. Um, in my second main event draft and he went, he went before then. So I wasn't able to get him, but so I really like him. You know, the highest projection for him is the bat. The bat likes him the most four Oh three ERA one, two, seven whip, which is really nice for a pitcher projection, especially with such minimal, um, minimal experience, 96 uh, strikeouts in 92 innings. If you look at, if you are a baseball savant box score follower, Uh, or player breakdown follower, and you're looking at velocities and just overall stuff, his stuff looks really electric. You know, the fastball velo is high. Uh, He just looks, he looks really nasty. And so again, I always temper expectations with young pitchers because you never know how they're going to debut and then also how consistent they're able to be. So I didn't want to go too outrageous with the bid. $77 seemed like a reasonable amount. I definitely wanted him did not get him in any of those fab leagues. So that's a little bit disappointing, but um, he could be a, he could be a real, he could be a real uh, difference maker, you know, although the innings will be a little bit limited, I think. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. That's why I want to break the bank. Like 81 bucks was my max where I kind of put it everywhere. And I, and I just look back the league. I, I, I won him on. I, um, it was a unicorn bid. The runner up was 81 also. So somehow I got oh, lucky. Wow. I got lucky in that one right out the gates. So my luck might be gone after week one. This is fun. But, um, yeah, and a lot of it's because of what you said. It's like, I love the talent. It's filthy, but he's young, and he's going to be innings capped from time to time. 
Um, they'll let him go like they did Logan Gilbert. Like he'll get to his innings most likely, unless he really, really struggles. And you know, he'll go back. To, he'll go back to the minors. He'll get his first taste of AAA. That's what'll happen. But if you look at their their team, he's projected as the fifth starter, and there's really no one on the roster that really scares you to take his job as long as he's not horrible. Like there really isn't no one in the minors. Like Nick Marjavicious doesn't really scare me. Like it's well, just not a. I would say George Kirby. If they uh, want to get there, that that's true. Yeah. If, if they want to go yeah. there, and that could be a thing that we'll see at some point. Maybe Brash's innings kind of get interesting, and they bring Kirby in, they start piggybacking, mm-hmm. and then it turns into a flip or something. Like that's very very possible. So that's why I didn't want to break the bank. Like some people are like spent two thirty seven, you spent a quarter of your budget already. Hey, if he's awesome, kudos to you. Not my style, but not Toby. Like you guys have heard us long enough how we like to go about this thing. And most of my bids this week was. I got a lot of like my sixth and seventh options. Let's put it that way. Cause I wasn't mm-hmm. going crazy anywhere, but there was a lot of options to at least improve your team. Like it might not be the game changers, but we don't know if any of these guys are, and there'll be other game changers throughout the season, hopefully. So it's just one of those things you want to be alive for that moment. Plus, as if you remember listening this, I love this exercise all season. Cause you learn how guys are going cheaper, different stat categories you can get later in the season, so on and so forth. So you want that money later to be able to make those jumps. Like, if you remember Toby last year, not a save for like the first like what two months of the season, and you oh, God, you had all your fab awful. though, and you were able to make it work. If you would have went crazy on Matt Brash, well, now you might not be able to do that again this year if you had to. Not not, not that you are, but just that example. So just little things like that. All right, the second most uh, added player in baseball, Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies, added in fifty eight leagues as high as one twenty six, as low as three dollars. Uh, it was announced on Tuesday. He made the team. He made Alec Baum both, which kind of concerns me a bit because I thought he was going to take the job from Alec Baum. So, and they still like they want Didi to play. So maybe Stott splits time at short and third. We'll see. But uh, he's an OBP guy, little power, little speed. Pretty good. I did not win him anywhere, but uh, I did have bids out. I did have bids out for sure. I think I was like around the 51 to 61 range. Again, not going crazy because I didn't know what his role would be. And it's still kind of questionable to me. So I'm kind of like half like, okay, kind of glad I didn't win him. Still half nervous I didn't win him is the problem because I know how good he can be. So what's your thoughts on Bryson Stott, who had a monster spring and a great fall league too that kind of got him put on the map? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the skills, they're really, really nice. I mean, the low K rate, really high walk rate everywhere he's been. So he's got really good plate skills. I was not heavy in on him. He was available in a few of my leagues. I think my max bid for him was like seven bucks or something like that. I mean, again, like the minor minor league track record looks really good. He's got a little bit of that power speed, you know, but like kind of a lot of times with my with my process, Um, you know, I'm a projections guy, so I'm looking at the projections just to say, like, not taking them as gospel, but just, just kind of looking to see what they say about the skill level. And so you look at like the bad X, the bad X has him over 650 plate appearances. If you multiply his current projection by two, looking at 236 with 16 home runs and eight steals, you know, and that's pretty much up to par. The only one where that's slightly different and it's not that different. It's mostly a plate appearance difference is steamer. But Steamer also has a little bit of a discrepancy with a lot of the other um, projections this year in terms of how it's valuing rookies um, and taking that into consideration. So the thing for me with Stott is, number one, there's a question mark around playing time, right? There's a question about, is he going to play third base? I mean, is he going to play? How is he going to divide time up with Alec Bohm? Also, the Phillies lineup is filthy. So what are the opportunities that he's going to have to move up in the lineup right now? I think he's listed as either eight or nine in that lineup on roster resource. Again, not, not gospel, but also like who is he going to replace in that lineup? 
Um, so you're talking about a guy who's got questions about playing time. He's got questions about, um, you know, not really questions, but like he's going to be at the bottom of the lineup, right? So you're going to get a minimal amount of plate appearances from him when he does play. And that's enough questions, especially like if you have any guys on your roster that are a little bit question marks, you know, um, like maybe they're injured or it's a starter who's not going to pitch that first week, that bench gets tight really quickly. So I didn't really feel like paying up to have a guy on my bench where it's probably going to take at least a few weeks to figure out whether he's a part of the Phillies. And even if he is, unless he really mashes, which is certainly a possibility, I don't really see him being able to move up in that lineup too much. And like the skills from a projection standpoint, they're not like jumping off the charts at me. So that is a long way of saying I like Stott. Wasn't that into him put in a minimal bid. If I didn't have to put up a lot to kind of have him on my team, I was willing to do it, but I wasn't really willing to go much higher than that. Yeah. And I feel you. Like I, I probably bid more than I should have on him, but I knew the talent level was kind of one of those deals. But like I said, when I put the bids in, it looked like he was going to get the job at third base. And then, you know, a couple of days later, now, now we're back to the, okay, how's this going to play out? And I'm sitting there going, kind of glad I might not have got this. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Um, we could be looking foolish. We could be looking smart. That's the beauty of uh, not even seeing a game played yet and doing fab before it begins. That's the wild part about all of this. Uh, let's go to the third most added player in uh, fantasy baseball and NFBC, CJ Abrams in 53 leagues, 135 max sack two minimum. And while you were talking, I was like searching uh, the beat writers and everything on Twitter because I didn't think I saw it. And I still haven't. Mm-hmm. He's not officially on the team. Like every indication points he's on the team. Their AAA team started today, and him and McKenzie Go were still playing spring training games. They have to clear a spot on the 40-man form because he's only played in AA. He's not technically on the 40-man roster. But um, they had him taking fly balls in right field. He played six innings in right field on Tuesday. He's played right field, center field, shortstop, third. He's played everywhere, second base. He could be the super utility guy. Um, we know the speed is awesome with him. Pretty good batting average, a little bit of pop, super talented ball player. There's just always questions because they're also in, they keep, you know, I want to trade for Brian Reynolds or I want to trade like they're still kind of doing that, which could totally screw this up. Um, so I put minimal bids in on him also kind of like Stott didn't get him anywhere. He sounds exciting, but again, I don't know what his playing time looks like. Is it one of those that, and if he scuffles again, he hasn't been past double A. So this is a really tricky one with CJ Abrams. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Abrams, I paid $2 in the auction, the high-stakes auction for C.J. Abrams. This is why you're a pro. This is why you're a pro. The $2 because I was the only person left in the draft, and I had $2 (laughs) left for one spot. So I didn't want to leave money on the table, Bubba. Rule number one in auctions, you do not leave money on the table. Yeah, so uh, I like C.J. Abrams. If I'm honest, though, it's really kind of just a shot in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, his projection is a little bit more interesting than Stotts is to me, primarily because of the steals. So, you know, his bad X projection, 244. So the average is okay. But four steals in 146 plate appearances. So that's like 16 over the course of a full season probably batting towards the end of the lineup if he is playing, maybe giving him a little bit more of an opportunity to to steal. But it's still nothing like super overwhelming. But the plate skills are decent. Like it has him projected for a a 21% strikeout rate, which is better than league average, which is really nice. So he puts the ball in play, makes things, things happen. We'll see what takes place. 
is he going to be right fielder CJ Abrams? I don't know. Um, but I, I could, I kind of, if, if you, if I was looking at them, I could see more of a clear role for Abrams and I could see more of a clear, um, strength in terms of the steals for him, which is something that is obviously important in fantasy baseball. So very similar to Stott because he's going to be towards the back end of the lineup, but he was one guy that I was kind of willing to make, take a little shot on during the draft. But in fab, I only put in very minimal bids again. I think I had, I think I had him above Stott for, but like same, same dollar value, like seven bucks, six bucks, something like that. I knew I wasn't going to get him. I was just putting those keep him honest bids in. Um, just because again, like I don't want to put a lot of fab on these types of question marks, um, especially this early in the season when next week is when we have a lot more intelligence, right? Right. Next week is is when we're going to have lineup positions. We're going to have injuries or guys who are surprises who are playing. We're going to know if Jorge Mateo, like what possible injury he received today that might bump him back, you know, later in the lineup. So, Yeah. Yeah, there's that like um, now reports from the Pittsburgh beat writers is Brian Hayes is supposed to play on opening day. So now the Diego Castillo love might dissipate a bit. Um, of course, Brian's going to play there as one yeah. of my most known players. He's yeah, I hope so. I'm with you. But back to CJ real quick. Left-handed bat, like you could see an easily platoon with Will Myers in right field. You could, that could make sense potentially platooning at shortstop with Hyosung Kim as well. Um, so there's there's options left field if Jerks and Profar struggles. You could easily see him take. They'd probably rather see the rookie go into left field uh, and and then sit Profar for for a bit. Even though Profar, it's amazing, still only 29 years old. That one blows my mind. <laughs> and I also picked cover. him up in Fab for the four games against Dude, Arizona. I don't blame I don't blame you though. Like yeah. I remember we've talked about Profar a lot in our time doing Fab stuff because he fits the mold every once in a while. Like the series in Coors, or you know they got f- like six righties this week or something like that. Like he fits the mold because he steals bags kind of a little poppy like it, it works so i don't i don't hate profile all he's just not a guy you see yourself playing all season but he definitely fits stream he's a very streamable hitter there's no doubt about that mm-hmm. um next up on our player movements we'll go back to the mound here mitch keller picked up in 52 leagues uh, as high as 105 as low as three obviously drafted in many um after probably let's say march 15th on because it was we saw the video the hype train began then we saw his first spring training start and the hype train really began and then he just kept doing it. Like he's looked really good. A little scuffling in his last outing, but overall the velocity's still been good. The swinging strike rate's been outstanding. We know he said he changed his mechanics. He worked on his pitch mix and he showcased that through all of spring. It wasn't just a video that everybody was like, oh, don't trust spring videos. Blah, blah. Like, first off, that's all we had in the lockout. We had nothing to go off of. But mm-hmm. then he backed it up. He's looked really good. Can he sustain it a whole season? We'll see. Is he worth a uh, you know 40 to $50 bid? I don't hate it at all. I think he's one of those guys because at worst, you know, he's going to probably get you 140 ish. Like they have to pitch him. They have to. I know he only won 100 innings last year, but they don't have many options in Pittsburgh. So I think Mitch Keller is worth a flyer. I did not get him anywhere, but I think he's definitely worth a flyer um, this week. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I've, I've talked about it repeatedly. Um, in spring training, the things I'm looking at are velo increases, and Keller has the best velo increase. It has gone down um, slightly uh, over the last uh, last couple outings, but it's still he's still plus two to three miles per hour, and that's really kind of gold. And we've seen even in his last start where he struggled, he still was getting whiffs on those pitches. I tracked it a little bit. It seemed like there was some uh, 
some questionable fielding behind him that resulted in some of the runs that were scored against That'll him. That'll happen in Pittsburgh, unfortunately. <laughs> never. It will never happen to anybody uh, who's pitching on my teams. Uh, I only have him in one of my big leagues just because I like a lot of guys going right around where he's going. Um, but I, I was able, uh, able to get him, you know, uh, again, a $2 in the auction, I believe. We were dominating with our $2 bids. Um towards the end of the auction with some of the pitchers there. So yeah, it was, it was, um, I like, I like Keller a lot, um, this year because I think that velo makes hundred percent of the difference. And again, you're getting him late enough where, you know, if he struggles, you kind of move on. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not nervous about starting him this week against St. Louis, right? Like I'm nervous, but I'm going to do it. And, uh, I'm really hoping that it carries over, um, from the spring. Just go like go five, give up two or three runs and strike out six. We'll be, I'm we're good with that. Just like I'll don't take don't get too. destroyed. Don't get destroyed. For sure. Um, Mike Curlin has joined the chat and he said Mitch Keller insert. It's a trap gift. So he just wanted to let us know that he's not a Mitch Keller believer. Um, now it gets fun. Uh, Art Warren because we know the the since with Lucas Sims on the IL to start the season. You know you had Art Warren. You have Lou, Luis Sessa's now hurt. So that makes it a little more the Art Warren show for now, potentially, where there's a lot of options in Cincinnati. We went through this mess last year. He went in 51 leagues as high as 114, as low as a dollar. Honestly, Toby, maybe I'm fortunate because I paid up for closers and my spec guys were still alive. I didn't need to, like, go crazy. I don't even think I put an Art Warren bid out there, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I did either. Um, Just because... It's going to be a revolving door there. It really is. Yeah, it was it was pretty ugly last year in Cincinnati. Um, I mean, Warren, he, you know, the skills are off the charts in his limited appearances, so he certainly could take the job and run with it. But everything that I've seen from there, like I haven't seen any indication of Warren. Like I've seen them even talk about like Hunter Strickland. I've heard them talk about um Sessa which I I just I didn't realize he got injured so maybe that opens up an opportunity there but I didn't really have any bids in on on Warren well maybe Sessa's back I don't, I don't see the injury I don't see the injury thing next to Sessa anymore maybe it's just a temporary okay thing so he might be uh, he okay. also went in most most of uh, all of my teams but one are 15 teamers so okay. a lot of these guys were drafted yeah so just be ready for the roller coaster because honestly like like you said you mentioned Strickland Sessa there's Justin Wilson's even had his chances. Like, there's options there. That's going to make it a, a massive headache. Um, but this one's good. Jeremy Pena, who's going to be hitting towards the bottom of the Houston lineup, but going to start, looks like, every day at shortstop. Picked up in 48 leagues, as high as 151, as low as 6. He seems like a pretty interesting player. I did not uh, grab him anywhere, unfortunately, but I didn't put high bids, and I was maybe like 15 to $25, give or take, because um, I wasn't desperate at the shortstop position. But... There's some speed, some pop uh, in an Astros lineup that could be quite intriguing. Yeah, you know, I was not that into Pena, and I was in Vegas, and I talked to Rob Silver, <laughs> and Rob Silver convinced me of Pena's assured greatness. And so uh, last, greatness. Not, last I night, like assured greatness – so uh, last night I drafted Pena as my middle infielder in my second main. And I think the reasons for that are number one, he looks like he has, he's clearly got the role, right? Mm-hmm. He is the shortstop, the starting like shortstop. They didn't, they didn't go sign anybody. They were trusty. The 
They didn't sign anybody. And there's just glowing reports. Like everybody loves Jeremy Pena. Like literally they should have a show called Everybody Loves Jeremy Pena instead of Everybody Loves Ray. Does his that, mom live that, next door is too? That, is that how it was called? Everybody, everybody loves, loves Raymond. Raymond. Yeah. I, yeah. I never watched the show, but I knew that. <laughs> Um, and then you look at the projections again, like let the projections be the guide. Bat X has him at, you know, 240, 11 home runs, eight steals. So you're looking at 600 plate appearances, close to a 1510 kind of guy in a really good lineup playing every single day. Now I was already critical of the steamer projections for how high they are on rookies, but let's just say you believe them. He's at essentially 246, 20, and 10 over 600 plate appearances, if not better than that over that period of time. And I think the major difference between Stott and Abrams and Pena is that Pena is going to play every day. And his defense supposedly is also glorious. Hall of Fame caliber. I'm actually ready to put him in the Hall of Fame right now. Um, Very, very nice of you. So, yes. and so I went with Pena because I I think a weakness of mine in the past has been I'm not willing to take those risks in the drafts. I always want to go for those, you know, those known quantities. Now, I'm not going to draft Julio Rodriguez at pick 47, like happened in my main yesterday. Yeah, that's a bit um, But I will go for Jeremy Pena, you know, at pick 260 uh, with a starting role locked up and and should get 600 plate appearances. I feel pretty good about that and kind of taking that risk there. So I did not pick him up in fab because he was not available in any of my leagues, but I am a uh, Jeremy Pena uh, convert. Thanks to Rob Silver. I give him full credit. And also if he is not good, I will also uh, blame Rob a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's uh, he's, he's the, the point that you made that I like the most is the, the role he's got the role. Sure. He's been at the bottom of the order. But he's going to play every day. At shortstop, the glove the glove plays, just get the bat to go, and that can be pretty pretty exciting with Jeremy Pena. Um, next up on the list, Jorge Mateo. It's fitting Kerwin's in the chat because he's team Jorge Mateo. Picked up in forty seven leagues, as high as one thirty seven, as low as two. You mentioned the injury. We don't know exactly what it is. It's not supposed to be an abdominal muscle, but it's an abdominal injury. We don't know. Uh, maybe he had some bad, you know, hot wings. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll see how it goes, but. Um, he, I, I like Pena. I like the fact he's outfield eligible. We'll give him shortstop eligibility. So you're going to have that going for you. Uh, I actually drafted him in that FPAS draft we were doing, which mm. uh, be, while we were in Arizona. So I, I'm pretty pumped on that one. But um, he's going to play a ton and he's got some kind of sneaky pop a little bit, but a lot of speed, a lot of speed. And we saw that, that they got to run. Mullins got 30 steals last year. Those boys will run. So Mateo could be fun there in, uh, in Baltimore. Yeah, Mateo is interesting. He's interesting. I have not picked him up. I did not put any bids for him. Um, But yeah, I mean, if he gets playing time, we saw what he was able to do last year with, uh, what did he have? Five home runs, 14 steals, something like that, and limited playing time. So he's definitely a potential difference maker. Um, And the one thing about him is he's not like totally absent power. I was looking at him last night. You know, so last year he had eight, eight barrels in 141 bat at ball events. So 5.7% barrel rate. So below league average, but not like a guy who's not going to give you any pop, you know, it was, it was 10 steals and four home runs in, in 209 plate appearances. So you're looking at a 1530 guy, potentially if he gets 600 plate appearances. Now he hasn't been able to stay healthy when he had a, the, that gig 
you know, last year he lost it through injury. Uh, he's already injured, as you mentioned. I think he, I think he played today and got like hit in the hand by a pitch or something. And so, you know, again, like I think he could be really good. I'm not quite sure he's the solution, but he's the type of guy that you want to take a, you know, take a stab at, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Um, a starting pitcher that I was kind of surprised by how much buzz until I dug in and a Zach Eflin. He was, I saw him on a ton of uh, waiver wire articles, a lot of discussion points on Zach Eflin. He was added in 46 leagues as high as $64, as low as $1. Um, today he made his final on Tuesday. He made his final spring training start striking out seven. He finished spring with a 0.96 ERA in three games, 11 strikeouts and nine and a third inning uh, innings pitched. Uh, so, you know, he had the knee, knee surgery last year. It kind of ended his season looking pretty strong. Uh, were you in on Zach Eflin? Um, I was not in on Zach Eflin. Again, like a lot of these guys have been drafted in the leagues that I'm in. You can definitely see it. I mean, I was kind of into him last year. I think he was going around pick 200 last year. What he needs is health, you know, health and consistency, which don't we all? Don't we all just need? I mean, <laughs> we could all just have health and consistency. We'd all be um, fantastic. But but he's looked great this spring, you know, even today, again, not only did he, um, did he look good, but he also, he was getting those whiffs, um, which is really critical. You know, he's had issues with, uh, with the BABIP a little bit throughout his career. The whip hasn't been great, but he's been getting better. So you can definitely see him as kind of like a strikeout per nine guy with, you know, a decent ERA, a decent whip and where you were get where you're drafting him. That's not, that's certainly not bad. He hasn't been one of my targets later on in drafts, but I can see what people, why people are interested in him. And it's one of those things where a guy gets hyped like year after year, and then people kind of forget about it. And it's not necessarily that the skill level has changed. It's just, again, the consistency and the health that he hasn't had. And there's nothing to say that he can't get that this year for the first time. Yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting to see if he can stay healthy. Because I thought it was funny. I drafted him in a lot of places last year as like a late, late option on my staff because I, I liked the upside of Eflin. It was good early, then he kind of struggled, and then had knee surgery. So it was a roller coaster ride with him, but um, we'll see if he bounces back this year. It could be a fun one indeed. A couple young arms I'm going to group together here. Nick Lodello, he's going to be the fifth starter for the Reds to start out the season. He pitches, I believe, is next Wednesday, if I am correct. Um, Hunter Green made the staff in Cincinnati as well. You got Reed Detmers, made part of the six-man rotation in Anaheim. Any interest for those young arms that uh, were available and probably not in your leagues because you drafted later in 15 teamers. So at least Detmers for sure was most likely drafted, if not green as well. But Lodello, green, Detmers, any kind of thoughts on them this season? Yeah, I mean, Detmers, I got him in the auction. Do you want to guess how much I paid for him? $2. $2. $2, Reed Detmers. <laughs> you should call Brian the team Slack, like the $2 discount. Taking it home. $2. Oh man. We, so in the draft, we, we got Garrett Cole for 42 bucks. Um, Dylan sees for 27 and, um, Sandy Alcantara for 31. So we were just going like heavy up top and then we couldn't get a pitcher for the longest time. It was actually super annoying. Like we were throwing up a lot of targets and they were going for absurd amounts. Um, I like, like miles Mikolas went for six bucks. We threw him out there like, ah, you know, we'll go up to three or whatever. Miles Mikolas went for $6. Like, what the heck is that? Somebody um, had mean, money people, to burn, apparently. People, spend your money, I guess. Something. Yeah, it's got to um, go somewhere. 
Yeah. So that's a long way of saying we spent $2 on a lot of guys. I drafted Nicola Dolo last night in my main event, I think in like round 23 or so. He looked really good this spring, looked really good last year. I saw that little note that he's not going to pitch in the first uh, time through the rotation because they don't need five, but mm-hmm. he should start next week. And it looks like, I mean, Rotowire has him in for Cleveland which That's is a, a glorious yep. uh, opportunity. I think I, I think I tweeted that out when they announced it. I'm like, no better way to start your major league career than against the Cleveland Guardians. That's like, oh, thank you. Sure. That's like a chef's kiss from the Reds. Here you go, kid. <laughs> totally. And then he goes against the Padres, which is a little bit tough, but not as tough as it used to be. No. Not as tough no, as get, it feels Get through like, Machado right? and a couple guys, you might be okay. Get through Machado, pretty much. That's pretty it. Um, I was trying to be nice to Cronenworth and everything, but yeah. Yeah. That's about, Man, you got that lefty Lodolo though coming in, coming yeah. in at that angle. With like that low, I mean, the low, low, Jake. Lodolo. I know you can hit, but I don't know if you can hit that. Yeah, um, so look, yeah, Lodolo, I got. You know, Demers had been a so-so target. You know, again, one of these guys who comes in super hyped up, really struggles. But you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think he's thrown at a lot of stat cast sites, so I, I haven't really seen below readings on Detmers. Uh, but I have seen the gifts, and the gifts look good, and that is pretty much what I base a hundred percent of my analysis on. So I really like Detmers. No, I think he could be really good, but he's also in a six-man rotation, so that bumps the value a little there bit. Something to consider. I do not have Hunter Green. Seems like you know he's got the velo, but um, I don't know. It just the 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 stuff just didn't seem that overwhelming against major league opposition. But I could be totally wrong on that. Don't look up the stats to verify that I'm I'm wrong. I'll look it up. So of those guys, I mean, I like I like Lodolo and, and Detmers as kind of like, you know, yeah, guys to kind of throw at and see see if they stick. You know, my philosophy around a lot of these guys is just, you know, you do your you do your you do your best, right? Like yeah. there's all these guys and like five of them are probably going to hit to some respect. And we're just hoping that we kind of guess the right guys because they've all got something going for them. They've all got skills yeah. or they've got a velo bump or they've got something like that. Yeah. So just on the Hunter green comment, he did have an ERA of seven and he did have three strikeouts, three walks and nine innings. Um, but he got hit around pretty good. 13 hits, four home runs. So we'll see if the, if the stuff plays at this point, uh, the velo is nice, but um, we'll see how much of a pitcher he is at, at this point. Yeah, I didn't have, I don't have any green. Didn't even put any bids in because he was drafted everywhere pretty much for me. But I did pick up Lodello in a couple spots for like 14 bucks or something. Mm. Um, I was pretty happy. Again, like kind of what you're hinting at where, you know, a handful of these guys will work, a handful won't because they all have question marks. They all have talents. So I didn't feel like going crazy. Like Brash, I went crazy for the rest of them. It was like, I'm going to put bids out there, but I didn't expect, I, I will get to some guys later that I was almost hoping I'd get the $4 guy more than the $25 guy at times. But, uh, and then when it comes to Detmers, I like him. I don't have him anywhere. And the biggest concern I have is that six man rotation. Like it, it shouldn't be as big a concern, but when you're trying to accumulate innings over and over again, that's going to add up in a long, in the long run. Like you could use him as a spot starter from time to time, which is great. But if you're turning and burning your roster, it's hard to just kind of have that guy sitting on your team. And so it's kind of a, a tough place to be with him because the talent looks great, as you mentioned. But um, and then again, they said six man last year. All it takes is one injury, and they're back to five. Like this happens all the time. I think uh, I think Nick Pollock tweeted it out the other day that oh, every team wants to have a six man rotation until they can't. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's so true. It's so true because a lot of teams talk about it. Not many make it happen. So we'll see. But some fun arms. 
I like Lodolo the best. Um, I, I think there's a lot of like Chris Sale looking in him. Uh, he looks like got that lefty whip tall. Like uh, I, I like him quite a bit. So we'll see how that pans out. The bad news Randall, is the angel, yeah. the angels don't have anybody in that rotation who is, who's injury prone. Yeah. Uh, none. Unfortunately, none at all. None at all. It's a great point. Great point. Um, Randall Grichik picked up in 42 leagues, drafted in many, many, especially once he was traded to Colorado. Highest bid three eleven, lowest bid sixty six dollars. So he, there was money mm. thrown around for Randall Grichik. This was one of the guys I had no problem. I, I wouldn't have gone three hundred per se, but I was willing to put in like one forty, one fifty, because this dude is going to be a beast if he stays healthy in Colorado. There, it's hard to deny this was a game changer player. He's gonna hit in the middle of the order in Colorado, and that's a a tough one to kind of say no to. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I don't. I have not drafted Grichuk yet, but um, he's he ranks out pretty high um, on my rankings. I'm looking for him. I may even have to scroll up a little bit to find him. Yeah, I have Randall Grichuk as player 179 um, with his new landing spot. I mean, the power is going to be there. He plays every day. Everything else will come. So I don't. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. He's probably a guy that I would have been willing to to bump up the bid a little bit for just because of, you know, all, all the things you mentioned, like it's Coors, it's Grichuk. Like we've seen it before when he plays, he hits 240, he hits 30 home runs and, you know, and um, things, things will be, things will work out fine, I think, for him. Yeah, no, things will work out very fine. Uh, before we move on to our player shares segment, any other targets of yours that you were looking forward to uh to grabbing or um names that surprise you because like i said before we started there was a lot of people out of this week and a lot of good arguments for a bunch of, like mad bum looks good i could see the argument there mm-hmm. if you want to throw a couple shekels out i was grabbing michael walker everywhere he's got two pretty darn good starts starting next week um and that like Bumgarner and walker you can get them for like three or four bucks like those were the, those were kind of the ones i'm like i'd rather take my chances with them than go break the bank for a prospect type thing um there's a ton of options there's like jordan hicks who might be viable eventually david robertson might be the closer in chicago tons of guys was there anybody that stood out to you when you were making your moves that you wanted to uh maybe i'm not so much aggressive but you're really hoping to grab the guy I was most aggressive on was jordan hicks where he was available i got him for 17 bucks i think nice. um in 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 the auction league so i was really pleased about that just not because of the stuff was that not two not two dollars? <laughs> this I did not have to pay. This was fab. Gotcha. Um, so you know, he's just looked really good. I mean, the fastball below is is there. Um, he's looked really nasty. Like, even when he struggled in his last start, like just in terms of results, he had seven whiffs on 25 pitches. I mean, that's some some badass stuff. So, and then the Cardinals closer gig is just so unsettled. I know people are still playing up for Gallegos. He's a very, very good pitcher, but I don't see any indication from the Cardinals that they are going to go with that. I mean, I think they're leaning towards the committee, which, which is one thing, but if you have a guy like Hicks, who's done it before and he's able to kind of come into that role and not, not unsettle things so that you can put kind of Gallegos in that high leverage role, I think that's something that could work out. So I did put in a decent bid for um, him um uh other guys other quick, guys i, I love I the hicks call i, I, I put in like hicks. matt bush yeah i grabbed hicks in my last oc i was pretty pumped on that yeah 
yeah, I, I, I should have been a little bit more cognizant of him. My, uh, yeah, my, honestly, my strategy in a lot of the mains has just been, I'll get one closer, one elite closer. I drafted Hater yesterday. I got Iglesias in my first main. And then, you know, like the second closer is fine, but uh, I'm not too worried about it. I'm more speculating very late on closers instead of nabbing a second closer because I think, you know, 80th percentile last year in saves in the main, I think was like 70 saves. So if I have one guy who's getting me 30 to 35, I feel Mm -hmm. decent about my ability to cobble together those saves towards the back end of the season or to just get lucky on one of my bids. And what I'm going to try to do right now is really maximize innings pitched early on by having seven, eight starters in there on a week to week basis, because hitters generally start off slower. It's colder. So it's kind of try to take advantage of that with some volume early on. Um, anyways, that's a, that's a tangent. Um, I put in some for Matt Bush. I wasn't sure if Greg Holland was going to make it just the way that the team was being announced, but he did make it. They ended up putting somebody on the, on the DL, um, to make space for Holland. So I'm a little bummed about that because I think maybe Holland ends up being the guy, um, there. And then, yeah. So those were the major ones. I picked up Matt Manning one or two places cause he had the velo bump. This spring, although yesterday his velo was down from where it had been previously, so that may be a pretty immediate drop, especially uh, with the playing against the White Sox. We'll get a, I think he's supposed to start against the White Sox in his first start, and I'm, I don't think that'll go well. So we'll yeah. see. But those were kind of the guys, that, those were the type of guys that I targeted in addition to like just a long list of guys who either have good matchups this week or have good matchups next week that I might be able to just stream in as hitters. Yeah, that was my main my main focus outside of like the brashes and a couple of guys. I was focused on the probably next week situation is where I was looking at things because it sounds bad, and I've said it forever that my biggest issue in Fab is dropping players and when to drop them. And I'm going through my drafts, and I'm like, well, unless they're hurt or demoted, I'm not really feeling the need to drop them. I drafted them for a reason. They have a good job still. Like, what am I seeing wrong here? And so that was the hard part for me. Like, I had a, a couple guys – on each team I could move, but I couldn't like go and get seven of the people that everybody wanted. So it was kind of a, it was like, I don't know. It felt weird. Cause I'm like, I want so many guys on the waiver wire, but I'm fine with my team. So it's kind of, it was a tough, tough situation there because I'm like the guys on the wire might end the season a lot better than these guys, but might not be right now. And I need right now. So it was, it was hard in my head to, to make the proper move. I'll say that much. All right, let's talk player shares. Let's have some fun here. First things first, Toby. Yeah. How many NFBC leagues do you have? Ooh, um, I have. While you're counting between in, between fifties, DCs, and other drafts, I have twenty one leagues. So that'll help if people 16. say, "Well, you have this many shares of someone," it's because I have twenty one leagues. So Baba, I have. I only have seventeen leagues. You have more leagues than me this year. This is the first, and I told you if you're going to get one more tomorrow. I might get one more tomorrow too. So it might not be done yet. It might not be done yet. I know. I actually have one DC that I haven't even I haven't even purchased. Oh, so yet. you got a couple drafts you need to do. Don't don't just waste that one fifty. Go. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll do a really late like DC Express or something like that. There you go. Just. Tell, tell Derek you want one started. Say beat bat flip crazy DC. It'll fill and you can rock and roll. <laughs> it's just what you wanted to do. All beat right. him easily because he's not there to draft. <laughs> yeah, he's going to auto pick. So he's don't worry auto, about it. He's autoing the whole freaking thing. 
That'd be amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, so we'll go through here. We'll talk about a handful of guys. We'll just go back and forth here. Who is your most rostered player? My ro- most rostered player. All right. Here we go, Bubba. Drum roll, please. <laughs> With 13 shares out of 17 leagues, the most rostered player for me is Miles Mikolas. 13 out of 17 leagues. Convince me Miles Mikolas is not this year's Adam Wainwright. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> I will got, not be convinced otherwise. He's got to strike out more people. He's got to strike out more people. A lot I of pitch contact there. And Wainwright doesn't really strike out dudes. Yeah, if he doesn't get blown up because he gets too much contact, like like Mikolas was, he's got to adjust. Gives that. up a lot of contact. Yep. Adam Wainwright gives up a lot of look. Elite defense. Yep. Terrible division. A record of being good when healthy. And for all intents and purposes, he's healthy. Velo's back up a little bit, closer to 94. He's got, you know, some things he can throw here and there. Uh, I like it. And he can get volume because he's super efficient. He didn't, he's never walked a lot of guys. Um, I love Miles Mikolas. I am not afraid to admit it. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be great this year. Love it. Love it. How about you? Who is your I have I have two I'll start with one because I have two that are both on 12 teams. So we'll start with the pitcher first. And this is one guy that I've been banging the drum on. And a lot of these were late DC shares. I've got a few in 15ers as well. Mm. I don't think he's in any 12 team leagues of mine. Could be wrong. But um Dane Dunning. I'm a Dane Dunning believer. Oh, Dane Dunning. I should 117 innings last year. Uh that was because they kind of tempered his workload. And that the, the, they pretty much he's going to get to get to go this year, basically. So I'm expecting 140-ish, potentially 150, if things roll right. We saw the strikeout rate improve as the season went on with Dane Downing. Just the overall production, he take you know he gave up four runs his last outing, but prior to that was you know two runs or less most times out there. Um, they really babied him towards the end. But he had a stretch there; he was going five plus innings more often than not throughout uh, May, June, and July, right in the middle of the season. And those were his really, really good ERA, good. Um, good overall production outings, you know, four, five, one ERA, three, eight, seven X FIP. So there's a lot to build off with Dane Dunning that I like, and he's free. He's free everywhere. And he's one of those guys. They have no one to replace him with in Texas. They're going to let him go. They traded for him. He was once in the Chris sale trade to, to, um, to Washington. So, or to uh, Chicago. So I think there's a, a lot to like with Dane Dunning. I'm going to take my chances with Dane Dunning. And uh, he is my most rostered pitcher at 12 teams out of my 21 this year. Wow. Who's your next one? Um, am I doing hitter this time or am I? No, doing whatever you want. I, I just said pitcher because I have two guys at 12. So that I had to decipher. So just next one on your list. Ladies and gentlemen, coming in second on the list of most rostered players. It's a tie at 12 of 17 leagues. First up, starting pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, consistent, goes long, low whip. It's Marco Gonzalez, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Marco Gonzalez with 12 of 18, 12 of 17 or 18. I can't remember how many leagues I did. 17. 17. 17. 12 of 17. And tied with him. 
starting center fielder for your Sal Perez-led Kansas City Royals. This this melts my heart right now. This is beautiful. Matthew A. Taylor. Michael. 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 I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) I got thrown off by my own Sal Perez thing. Michael A. Taylor. Michael A. Taylor is my most owned um, my most owned hitter, 15-15 potential. You know, the batting average is certainly a risk. Um, but he looked really good at, towards the end of last year. And well, he yeah. hits ninth, so it sucks. But I, I like it going late, where I was getting him around yep. pick 400. In deep leagues, I loved him because, like you said, He's going to play every day. So in those DCs and stuff, if you know you need certain weeks where you need hitters or you have injuries or whatever, and his 15-15 upside, like you look at his numbers year in and year out, double-digit steals, double-digit power, like no problem with Michael Taylor at all. All right, my next two guys here, um, both hitters, both on the same team. And this is no surprise to anybody that's followed me this offseason. Uh, one's on uh, 12 of my 21 teams. The other's on 11 of my 21 teams. Uh, the 12 team, 12 uh, shares, Robbie Grossman. Because I like getting steals and power later in uh, drafts. He was one of those, you know, 2020 last year. I'm even willing to regress to 15-15. I'm realistic here. But I think, you know, we've seen adjustments with him, and, and the power and speed is pretty legit. So uh, I'm big on Robbie Grossman, especially where you get him in drafts. He's one of the later options for power and speed type situation. The other player on 11 of my 21 teams is his teammate, who I absolutely I know who adore. It is. Jonathan Scope. It is Jonathan Scope. I am a Jonathan Scope fanboy. Um, I we've talked about it on this show. I've written about it many times. Just go look at his fangrass page. If you want the model of consistency at a very cheap draft price, Jonathan Scope's in the Webster's dictionary. Like 20 mm. plus homers. He hits for a much better batting average than people give him credit for. Um, his he'll give you runs, RBIs, might give you a couple steals, not many. But first base, second base eligibility. I love everything about Jonathan Scope. So um, I have a lot of Detroit Tigers this year. And uh, those two for sure are leading the way for me. Who's next on your list? All right. We've got another tie. No, we do not have a tie. Ladies and gentlemen, number four on the most drafted list for me. A guy I used to despise. Some would even say made a name despising. Oh, man. But it's Boston Red Sox starting pitcher, Nick Pavetta, with 11 shares out of 17 teams. What percentage is that by chance? 68.8%. Because I'm going to let you finish talking in a second, but my next player on my list at oh. nine shares at 43% is Nick Pavetta. Nice. Yeah, so to He's my number four as well. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. The oh, crowd man. goes wild. Wow. Pavetta. <laughs> so what the was Bubba, it that threw you Bubba in the bat flip. Seal of approval. Nick. Hey, it's Nick much better than last year's seal of approval. Player of the year. For Bubba and Bubba. This is much better than last year because do you remember who we were all in on last year, like with most of our shares? Oh, God, don't say it. Who Stephen Brault, and then he got hurt right out the gate. <laughs> it was Stephen Brault. Well, I'll never forget that. <laughs> you had to really just show that we have no, there's no reason to believe anything that we're saying or follow anything that we are <laughs> talking about. So 
Oh man. Oh yeah. It was good. But uh what 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 drew you to Pavetta? Um I think um I think the the velo bump uh, that he had towards the end of last year. Um dramatic improvement in skills, strikeout rate and walk rate towards the, the end of last season. However, I mentioned this on our on our preview podcast. I am a little concerned because the velo bump that he had towards the end of last year did not translate. Now, that hasn't stopped me from drafting him in um, a lot of my leagues. I've missed out on him in a couple places, but um, that is a little bit of a hesitancy. And he starts out against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put him in there, but it's a rough one. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, my other player at nine shares with Pavetta, and this is a guy, again, many people should know by now, I'm all in, and I kind of half convinced Toby last time we talked. Half. Cal Quantrill. I have a ton Cal of Cal Quantrill. Quantrill. He's right. free. Well, not free, but he's like super late flyer, and I believe what the changes he made can take him to the next level. I saw him, I, Bubba. I, I saw the wrong. changes. I saw him <laughs> with my own eyes. You saw them. So I could be wrong. It could just have been, you know, a good second half season against some bad competition. We'll see. I'm a believer. Nine shares. All right. We'll do a few more because I have like one, two, three. I have five guys at eight shares and then I'll stop there. But who's your next this, grouping? Here? This is where it gets dicey. This yeah. is where it gets dicey because you start to get the uh, big bunches. Next up on the list of player shares with 10 shares out of 17 drafts. It's a a tie. Number one, Phillies starting center fielder. Ooh, a man who few believed in earlier this off season, but the intensity of which I have felt throughout the drafting season is Matt Veerling. Matt Veerling. You've been team Matt Veerling from the start. I'm not no one can take that away from you. You've I been have on been this team Matt Veerling time. from the start. And things have worked out well for him, honestly. Yes. The surprising thing is I haven't been so many DCs. I don't think I've drafted him once in a fab league, even though and he's see, got a starting job. Like what the that, heck? That's what thinking? people need to realize. A lot of these shares are not fab There are a lot of DCs. There yeah. are a lot of DCs. Yeah. Who do you tie uh, with? And tie. At 10 shares in quite possibly the most brilliant draft maneuver in the history of fantasy baseball. Thomas Pham, otherwise known as Tommy Pham, 10 shares out of 17. 10 now, shares. 10 you shares out of 17. Now you're telling me when Nostradamus he signed with the Reds. Oh my when he goodness. signed with the Reds and I was drafting him at pick 230. 250 to whatever you're telling me i did not jump for joy and then when they asked him like what do you care about this season he's like all i care about is the numbers Mm. i mean this guy is just unbelievable never played in a hitter's park in his entire career he's gonna be hitting like third in front of joey Votto, behind jonathan india who's gonna be phenomenal this year like it's just the writing's one. on the wall. Tommy Pham, MVP, one. 2022 NL MVP. A, Tommy Pham. That's a good one. I thought I thought I liked my six shares of Tommy Pham. You smoked that, so that was good. Very good. Mm. All right, so I have a grouping of... I, uh, I do not condone smoking yeah. at all. So I. I would even Tommy Pham, I would not smoke that. But uh, if it, we'll have the Pham Pham over here. 
and we'll have some fun with it. Um, For sure. So I have five players at eight. These will be the last ones I discuss. You can discuss more if you'd like, but I want to bring them up because, again, if anybody's listened to me or followed me this offseason, this is Team Bubba right here, these five guys. Joe Adele, mm. Jazz Chisholm Jr., mm. Jazz Chisholm Jr., Eduardo Rodriguez, mm. Tim Anderson. Mm. The only one that might surprise people, but I love the value you get in drafts, especially in DCs, Aaron Hicks, lots mm. of Aaron Hicks. Um, mm. So yeah, those are just, I don't really need to explain. I think I've gushed over Adele Chisholm, Erod and Tim Anderson plenty this off season, but let's just put it this way. The reason why we talk about this stuff and those are fab leagues also with those guys, not just DCs, but um, if those guys falter, it's going to be a, it might be an entertaining podcast for the rest of the year. We'll see, <laughs> but it's uh you'll know my status real quick. Let's just put mm. it that way. All right, so who else you got? All right, are we going with our nine, our Niners? Whatever you want, I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna cap out at my at my I'm like at thirty what percentage were those like thirty eight percent? I'm gonna cap out there, but okay, you go as you, far as you want. These guys, I have fifty six point three percent of. So you really have a core nine. Dra- I it's you have a hard honestly, core. it's unhealthy. Yeah, like, some people believe in diversification, but I, I do not. I diversified absolutely it a bit. <laughs> do not diversify at all. I just want to be very clear that I do not believe in diversification um, of fantasy baseball. I was to about to clear. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be <laughs> don't, very don't clear. Take that sorry, one sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so with nine shares, I have Eric Fetty of the Washington Nationals, the man who no-hit the Mets for four innings today in a harbinger, a harbinger for his NL Cy Young victory this year. That is Eric Fetty. I like it. Number two, finishing second in the Cy Young. This one is going to surprise you even more than Eric Fetty. Is a man without, I I don't think he has a rotation spot right now, but that's okay. Rotation spots were made to be earned. (laughs) Is Will Crow, pitcher for your 2022 NL champions, the Pittsburgh Pirates? Second in the Cy Young, huh? Second in Cy Young, Pirates winning the NL. NL. Um, After that, uh, I have nine shares of Andrew Benintendi. I like that one a lot. At 56.3%. Love Benny. Yeah. And then the guy who will determine the success of my seasons. Honestly. A man I have nine shares of. A man I have on every single one of my biggest leagues so far which I would caution is not healthy at all. Dylan Cease. Dylan you Cease. How many leagues? All of I have them? I in nine leagues. Oh, good. Including okay. both of my main events and my diamond league. My auction, my big auction league. So you're all in on the Cease wagon. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't him. dislike that. I have plenty of Dylan Cease. I have, I have t- almost 24% Dylan Cease. Mm. Diversification over here. <laughs> and then ninth, and and probably most important, is uh, Jake Brents. 
Kansas City Royals. Love that. Late future spec. closer, Jake Brents. DC without a pick, doubt. Folks. There's no, no way he doesn't get 15 saves this year. Yeah. Don't add him in fab this weekend. He's no, a DC no, no, pick. No, no, no. He's a DC pick because I had Brents. I had uh, like Spores from um, Texas. I have a lot of those guys late. I have a ton of Chris Stratton. Pretty pumped on that one potentially. So we'll see how that one pans out. But uh, yeah, that's fun. I like how. You have so many double-digit chairs, guys. That's gonna oh be my a, god, a Bubba! I have, coaster. I have five with nine shares. I've got five with eight. I've got, I've got eight with seven at seven. Yeah, you're. Uh... My six is is over is double digits. <laughs> my five is is double is double digits. I might have six on more than five. I Four. Toby, I Toby mean, has a type. I do well. The thing is. I was very, I was pretty consistent. I was pretty consistent with how I built my teams this year. And you have very, I would not recommend it in the sense that you have very limited options um, later in the draft of guys that will get you what you need. And so we'll see. It could be, it could work out really well. It could work out um, horribly for me. Um, I think, I think it'll work out well. I hope let's go with well. We're going to go well on this. All right, let's talk some listener questions here before we head on out and get ready for opening day on Thursday. In the YouTube chat here, James D. asks, Josh Lowe's ceiling question mark. Um, this is a fun one because I know some very smart people did the right thing and dropped him in 12-teamers on Sunday because he was going to the minor leagues. And then they traded Austin Meadows, and here comes Josh Lowe. And it looks like Josh Lowe is going to play a lot. So this is kind of a bummer move, and it's just kind of how – the breaks happen sometimes. The right move in a 12 was to drop him on Sunday. I do not. That was definitely the right move. It's just a bad break. Very bad break. Um, so what's your thoughts on low, though? Power speed is awesome. Like, really, really good if he gets to play every day. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the situation with low. I mean, the batting average is probably going to hurt. He's better in OBP leagues than he is in... Um, in regular leagues, but yeah, I mean, if we look at using just the same thing that we've used before, so BadX has him projected in 224 plate appearances for a 222 batting average, six home runs, five steals. So you're looking at in 600 plate appearances about like 13, 14 steals and 16 to 18 home runs, um, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah, and that's good. I mean, uh, Steamer, as usual, has him much higher. I mean, Steamer has him with 15 home runs, 10 steals, and a 245 batting average and 379 plate appearances. So that's well over. That's like 2015, um, if not a little bit more. So it really depends on the projection system. You know, I think the challenge is he's a lefty, so you know he's probably going to get platooned in that situation. So that's always makes things a little bit uh, more dicey and kind of harder to roll with it, but at least he would be the strong side of that platoon. So yeah, yeah he could definitely be, he could definitely be a game changer. Uh, yeah. I like him a lot and it'll be, it's good that we'll have a, a handful of games to see how they use him this weekend. Cause if he is going to get to play every day, he's going to go for a lot of fab. That's for sure. But I'm like more interested in paying more in fab for him. Cause I think his skill set is ridiculous. So I am, I'm looking forward to that one. It might be for the worst because I maybe could have gotten cheaper, but uh, I like it a lot. At least we get to see what's going to happen with him. Adam Holgate asks, 11-team AL only league, $100 total fab, no $0 bids, so you don't want to run out of money. How much would you spend for AJ Pollock? 
AJ Pollock, no zeros, $100 bids. So you Man, can't go I'm, crazy, crazy, uh, but you're going to have to spend I'm a lot I'm not good at this AL only stuff. I don't play AL, AL only, so it would really be a... Um, it would really depend on how much you needed him. But, I mean, I expect him to be really good when he plays. There's injury concerns, obviously, but I don't know, like 40%? Does that sound reasonable? I was going to say 40 to 50 bucks. I know some guys were talking about um, in in one of the chats I'm in, they're in an AL only league, and they did Fab this last weekend, and it wasn't Pollock, it was some other player. Or maybe it was NL only on when Gritchick, for Gritchick. Mm. Um, he was going for 70 to 80 bucks. Like, so then you're, you're basically dollar days before the season starts. And so that's not my style. I have a hunch Pollock probably goes closer to 60, 65, just because it's hard to get an elite player like that. And they only leagues that gets at bats a lot. So you mm. pay for it. You just pay for it type thing. I'd probably go closer to like 45 to 50, but in all honesty, I bet you he goes for like 65 ish. That'd be my yeah. two cents. So like you said, if, if he really needs him, if he really needs AJ Pollock on that team, if he's outfield deficient, which could happen in an AL only league, because you've only got so many starters are actually playing every day. You need to, you're going to have to spend money for him, but just know he gets hurt a lot and that could turn into a mess real quick. So we'll see. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Will Garofalo asks, what's your favorite s'more combo creation you've ever had? Um, The best s'more combo I ever had. I would have to look, go back and look back, look back at um, my rankings here on this. Yeah. My, my, um, I did a s'more thing one time. Let me just look really quickly um, to see what it was. I'm just going to do, I'm going to search for my name. Flip crazy. And then s'mores. Now, the only thing is that um, the first thing that's going to come up is Will's question. Probably. Probably. Um, Oh, okay. I think I remember what it was. I think I remember what it was. Um, okay. I think it was, Ooh, Hershey's cookies and cream just came up. Ray Butler with the suggestion there. That's pretty good. That's pretty dynamite. Um, let me see. I did like a whole thing on this. I went camping. Can you believe that? I went camping. Yeah. I remember that last year and you guys did a whole different list of s'mores that weekend. I remember that very clearly now. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm getting a lot of, I think it was the mint Kit Kat. I think it was mint Kit Kat was like my favorite, um, which might sound mint dark chocolate Kit Kat. I think that's what dark it was. Dark chocolate, the key there, the dark chocolate. It was mint dark chocolate Kit Kat s'mores. Yeah, I think that was the favorite one because I think the thing that you got to think about with s'mores is texture is really important. And... Kit Kats have that nice texture where they're like, they're crispy, but they're also like, there's that little waviness to the wafer. And I think that that's something that people oftentimes in the s'mores world, you know, when you are uh, deep in the s'mores world, oftentimes you forget about things like that, like the wafer texture of the s'more. And the mint is really nice because it's like you combine the mint with the melted marshmallow. I mean, that right there is just like, an incredible combination. And then you go the dark chocolate over the milk chocolate chocolate because you want a little bit more of a smoother finish on your s'more. So you got the wafer, you got the texture, you got the mint flavoring, you got the melted chocolate, but it's smooth. Um, it's just a, a fantastic combination. 
It sounds like a fantastic combination. And I'm going to have to try it one of these days. We're going to have to go crazy with some s'mores. Uh, maybe first pitch, we'll, we'll get the fire pit going again, and we'll do some s'mores one night. I think that could be a party. Um, all right, next question, Mr. Ryan Roof, buddy of ours from Roto Wire. Who is Toby's favorite among Bubba's highest player shares? I mean, it's got to be Nick Pavetta, right? Yeah, he's, I, he's he's the yeah. Bubba, Bubba with the bat and the bat flip guy. Seal of guy. approval. Yeah, I mean, him, said, like, he yeah. hit pitcher, him, hitter, Tommy Pham. Yeah, there you go. Right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, and he said vice versa for Bubba. So yeah, Pavetta and Fam. I think I think we have a, a mutual I mean, agreement here. Six sixteen shares among that's, us. Of that's insane. Sixteen yep. shares of Tommy Fam, and what did you say? How many of Pavetta did you have? I have nine nine Pavetta. Nine. We have twenty combined shares. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have some fun fun nights <laughs> with Nick Pavetta. <laughs> oh man, Marty and Payne thinking yeah. about it. Yep, yep. Oh God, I'm going with like eight starters in a lot of my leagues this first week. I'm like, oh. God. I, I hope I hope Pavetta pitches on a lot of Tuesdays because mm. this could make this show really fun. That's what I'm yeah. hoping for. Lots. Oh of man, live, live, like tilt potting, Nick Pavetta. <laughs> yep, could be great. Could be brutal. Must must listen to podcasting. Could be brutal. Um, our buddy Ben Ted at Breaking Ben underscore T. How much fab out of 1,000 do you think Josh Lowe will go for, or do you need to see how much he plays before Sunday? I said I'd like to see what he plays, but if he plays every day, I think he goes between 250 and 300. Yeah, I was going to say 300 plus probably would be my guess for what he ends up going for. I mean, because I think there's there's like just strategically, if you think about it, like a lot of people subscribe to, and there's a lot of research to show this is the case, like, you want to get those guys early in the season that can impact you for the full season. <clears throat> and so on one hand, there's that. And on the other hand, there's the research that tells us that the most valuable guys on the, on the waiver wire are not the guys that you get for that much. They're oftentimes the guys that are like $20 bids and to $40 bids. Um, and so my preference is always to be more in that camp. I will spend up, like I spent 250 bucks on, Shane McClanahan last year um, because I needed pitching and um, yeah. And, and the stuff stuff metrics were, were off the charts with him. So it all, it all depends, but I think people will go way overboard with him. Yeah. Uh, I think they will too. I'll be willing to go, but I won't be able to go 250 or 300. It's just not me. And I might regret it, but so I probably won't get him anywhere, but I will have keep him honest bids in like the, in the hundreds for sure. Like I, like I, if he falls to me in the, my 125 to 150 or whatever I go, I'll be ecstatic for that. I'll, I'm willing to take those chances for sure. And in a 12 team with an overall, I might be slightly more aggressive just for what he could bring to the table, mm. but still it's not my style, but maybe I need to change my style. We'll see. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let me see something. Um. So Josh Lowe, man, there's three lows. Josh Lowe is going at, an ADP of 297 in the main events I'm over the last what, two days. I'm, yeah, I'm curious what he's like. You, okay, you look those up. I'll look up OCs while you're at it because those are getting wild. Let, let, me, let me just see. Um, let me just see for a second here. He's going today. Josh Lowe went at pick 245. So what I would the way that I would think about it is whatever the Matt Brash bids were. Yeah, I would imagine similar because Matt Brash was going about the same place. That's that's fair. But I would also bump that up a little bit because it steals, and it's a hitter, and people generally tend to value those things a little bit more. 
in just today's OCs, there was 12 OC drafts, ADP of 217. He went as high as 142. Yeah. So people want him because of that power speed combo. If it pans out, it's like 20, there's 20, 20 upside with this guy. And that's pretty good. Uh, our buddy MS at SMMS79. This was my first year doing NFPC fab. When adding guys near the bottom of the barrel, like a second catcher, a bench bat, a spec closer, do you have a number you typically target, say $3 or $4? Do you try and have X amount of fab left at a certain point of the season? How do you budget? So you have like a set number you like. I always try to not have a zero or a five. That's just my brain because those are common numbers. Um, but do you have like a preference for like just those – like people like dollar bids, dollar guys. Like I probably go two dollars just because a lot of guys go one dollar. That'd be my yeah. two cents. Um, yeah, like I think that. it it all depends on who the player is and how much you want them. I agree with you. I oftentimes don't do a zero or a five um, when I'm doing bids, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. I think people oftentimes will find themselves just out of sheer like you know. I remember the zeros. I'm putting it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I stay away from there. I generally will put $2 bids in at least if I, if I want a guy, if it's just like, I need a third baseman and these guys are all the same, I'll maybe do $1 bids and just see who, who comes through to me. Um, but I like to, I like to mix it up a lot. A lot of the times those lower bids, like oh, maybe I'll do like $4. Um, like some of the guys that I liked this week, I put $4 bids in for. So, um, yeah, it just depends. And then he said, uh, do you try to have X amount of dollars of fab left at a certain point of the season? I know a lot of guys want like 50 to 75 for like the last month or two to kind of give you a chance to push. Um, you just don't want to run out, but I'd say 50 at least for the last month is fine. Some guys have even less, but uh, you want to make sure you have a chance to go make some noise. Yeah, I think it's all relative to what the rest of your league has too. You know, so I think those are the types of things like as you're going down the stretch, paying attention, which which um, players in your league are continuing to bid on fab, you know, cause sometimes guys will stop. So they have 800 bucks left, but they're no longer really tuned in. So you don't really have to think about them that much. Um, and so thinking about like where guys are like that, and then thinking about who's above you in the standings and having a hammer on them so that if there is a really good wa- waiver wire pickup, or you're heading into those last couple weeks and you need those two start starters, the, the second to last week of the year, because who knows what's going to happen that last week of the year. Like, I think those are the types of things where it's helpful to have a little bit less. So I like to have a decent amount left towards the end because I really do value kind of that end of season hammer. Um, so yeah. Yeah. But it all, it all depends. You know, it all depends. I remember in my most successful season, I got Bo Bichette towards the end and I was like totally torn about, you know, how much to put for him. And I ended up leaving myself with a lot less fab and it ended up working out working out well because he did well so it just yeah, i guess all depends. the player you're going for makes a big difference for sure like you said like if it's a game changer type thing or just spec stuff that that definitely changes things and the last question we have here is a fun one to wrap things up half baked ball asks you've just woken up and realize you've missed all your top targets by the slimmest of margins in fab mm. what do you eat to consume your feelings mm. yeah that's a tough one <laughs> that's a hard-hitting way to end the podcast i know i was like this is a good one it's a good all one. right um man uh so i think it involves it probably involves ice cream would be <laughs> would be my guess 
It probably involves cookies as well. So like a cookie ice cream cream sandwich sandwich is kind of a a logical way logical comfort go. It's a logical combination. Um, really donuts, apple fritter. (laughs) Hey, by the way, people, I don't know if we talked about it on the barf draft. Toby rolls in with a dozen donuts to the barf draft. Yeah. I, I, I provide for people and girl scout cookies, two boxes of girl Girl scout Scout cookies. cookies. Um, I would go, Okay. I think I would go with um, a latte, an oat milk latte. Okay. With, so starting off with apple fritters, like with that latte. And then I would clean it up with uh, a cookie sandwich with mint chocolate, mint chocolate cookie as the ice cream. And then the cookies. They'd have to be they'd have to be soft cookies because I think we've talked about hard cookies on the yes. podcast before. Soft now. cookies are clutch. I love no, soft dude. cookies. Like yeah. hard cookies are good in their own time, but a good soft cookie with like do you do you like with like the frosting on the top? Um, dude, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, I like sugar cookies like with frosting on them. A good they got to be soft. Like my buddy makes Snicker. He's a great cook, baker, whatever. Mm-hmm. He makes Snicker them all from scratch when they're fresh, soft, warm Snickerdoodles. <clears throat> Not much better. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, phenomenal. It's so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. I think we'll wrap it up there. Toby's going down a rabbit hole in his head right now. Of, I'm getting emotional. Uh, just yep. Thinking so about <laughs> these desserts. So we're uh, going to wrap it up there. Toby's got one more big draft on Wednesday. I might have one more on Wednesday. We'll kind of play that by ear right now. But uh, one thing I can guarantee is we have baseball on Thursday. Real baseball games that count and so it's gonna be a lot of fun any final words for the listeners that have stuck with us all preseason getting ready going through drafts ready to rock and roll it's go time number one if you're drafting against me on wednesday night don't use what i shared on this podcast against me please don't make me question whether i should do 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 be doing these things um first of all there's that's the most important thing number number two uh, let's enjoy some baseball. Um, it'll be fun checking those box scores on Thursday. Um, that it'll be great and it'll be fun. And we'll learn a lot this, this first week, but remember it's a long season. It is a 26 weeks of fab season. Don't make, don't put yourself in a position where you're already behind because of some poor judgment or over eagerness or taking small sample sizes way out of proportion, which I'm sure will not happen. Not at all. For sure. No victory lapping, no overreaction. No, no victory lapping. None of that going on. Absolutely not. But uh, yeah, I echo the sentiments from Toby. Like, let's have some fun. We have baseball. We get to do the in-play runs on our phone. We get to do all kinds of cool stuff. Like, I can't wait to just live it up check our teams and see where they are in the standings, even though there's a long ways to go, as Toby said. Like, it's it's good to get the juices flowing, switching from draft season to in-game, in-season management. And that's where we hope we can help you guys out each and every week. I know it's after the fab periods. We're not giving you guys a target, but maybe those guys are still available in your leagues. That's always fun. And it just gives you a perspective on why to add, not to add, all like our thought process that hopefully helps you down the road. So I think it's a lot of fun. And always bring your listener questions. We love them. Uh, and we'll get to those for you as well. But for now, we'll wrap it up there. You can find Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am at BDN Trick. This was Bubba and Batflip, episode 119. Catch you guys later. Yeah.